Selling on Amazon is difficult. It's everything but passive income. I share videos like this one to help Amazon sellers on their journey. My name is Stephen Pope, and I'm the founder of My Amazon Guy. When Amazon turns your world upside down, tune into My Amazon Guy to land safely and grow your Amazon business. Welcome to the My Amazon Guy podcast. I now am joined by Ian. Thanks for coming on. Thanks for having me, Stephen. It's really great to be here, and I'm happy to to talk to the my Amazon family audience. Yeah, all right. So everything we do each week is to help uh, sellers grow their sales in and out. So um, first of all, tell me a little bit about yourself, who you are, what you do, and then we'll dive into the meat and potatoes today. Sure, um, I'd be happy to. So again, my name is Ian Kaneshiro. Um, I'm originally from Los Angeles, from Los Angeles, California, but living in Tel Aviv now. And I work for um, SellerSnap. And SellerSnap is an AI Amazon repricer. And so we work with third-party Amazon sellers to reprice those goods, to get them in the buy box while focusing on profit and profit margin optimization. And, and you also are somewhat of an e-commerce pro. Tell me a little bit about that and why you have so much experience. Well, e-commerce pro is, uh, is a term that can be thrown around a lot. And, you know, in that's what the, your assistant said. I'm just going off what she said. So. <laughs> you know, you know, at the, at the end of the day, uh, you know, I have been working in e-commerce um, for the majority, for a big portion of my, my career. Um, I actually started working in a warehouse um, when I was probably 14 or 15 years old, kind of a family run business sure. that was still doing catalog sales at this time, if you can believe that. Um, and, and hey, that catalog like, sales are coming back. I think we're going to see a surge on them, to be honest. Don't tell that to the, to the people that hate paper and uh, don't want to cut down the trees. I sure, <laughs> I sure hope not. Um, but yeah, and so I started working at the at this warehouse, you know, doing, you know, picking and packing orders. And this was really in, kind of in the, um, I would say the early earlier stages of e-commerce. Um, and they had a website, and also um, this company was on Amazon at that early time, which I didn't make that connection back then. You know, pulling things from shelves, putting them in boxes. But you know, really, when I look back, I I can see that logistically, I was really part of this machine that was getting products to, to the people. And so, um, I work, I worked for a couple of companies and, um, this was called sports section. Another one was called foreplay with, which was an actually a lingerie company based out of Southern California. And Good play that, on I words kind of, there. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And, um, and I found my way into, um, kind of the software space. And so now, um, I work with an Amazon repricer, um, helping, you know, third-party sellers, much like, much like the companies I used to work for, um, you know, again, capture the buy box and, and work through, uh, work through the Amazon stores and their, their Amazon journeys as well. So, so most of our listeners and clientele, um, are private labelers. They don't very often have to vie for the buy box, but there may be some updates in the tech or something you might tell me that I'm not expecting you to say, should somebody who is a private labeler who doesn't typically see multiple contenders for the buy box, be looking at repricing tools these days. Yeah, absolutely. Look, repricing ha historically has been only for, uh, you know, for wholesalers, retail arbitragers, online arbitragers. But what we're, what we're experiencing more and more is that sellers and private label sellers specifically are coming to me asking, you know, how can I gain an edge on my competition? Um, 
Because the question that I ask a lot of times is, do you have competition for the buy box or do you have competition? And the answer is, no, I don't have competition for the buy box, but I do have competition, right? If you're selling, I don't know, a pack of pens, right? And it's a, it's a five pack of blue pens. You're not the only five pack of, five pack of blue pens um, on the market. And so your consumers are going to come on and have to make a choice between your brand and another brand and then, you know, the Bix of the world. And so um, it's important that you are, you have a pricing strategy that kind of puts yourself in a competitive position. You don't want to be so much higher that you're not getting any, any sales and you don't want to be so far lower um, that you're devaluing. Away, yeah, giving away margin. Exactly. And so um, we do have a couple of solutions in terms of repricing on uh, for private label sellers that can help kind of navigate the system. Um, and just a bit of background, we are an AI repricer, but that is very much for the kind of the wholesale side, um, the buy box side, you could say. And then, but for uh, private label, it's a bit more, um, you, you have a bit more rules to set up in order to do that. And, um, and we, I don't know how, I don't know where we're going with this, but I'd be happy to explain a little bit further about how we, that works. Yeah, we should go into it. So I, I think people would be interested to know, like, does it make sense to have a repricer price your item against the Bix pens of the world, the other five pack of blue pens? Like how, how would that structurally work? So there, there's really two questions in there. Number one is, does it make sense? And number two is how does it work? And so the does it make sense is, is more of a business question because just like anything else out there, there are, there are costs to something like a repricer um, and you know, additional technology in your stack. And so depending on the volume that you're doing um, without a repricer at the moment, depending on what your margins are, you know, that is a business decision that every seller has to make for themselves to understand, all right, does this make business sense to me in order to you know, pay more for a new technology? Like, am I getting extra value? Because we're, sure. you know, whether, whether we're talking about consumers who are actually buying the pen or as biz businesses, the money that we spend, we're always talking about value. So that's number one. Um, but number two, on a technical level, um, the, the most popular version of our, of a repricing model that our sellers use is called um, follow related ASIN or follow multiple related ASINs. And the way that it works is, um, it's pretty, um, it's pretty straightforward. What you can do is you'll come in and you'll say, all right, I have my big pen or not my big pen. I have my private label pen and I want to follow the five pack of BIC and I want to I don't know, match their price. I want to always be a dollar below them. I have a pre, I have a more premium product. I always want to be a dollar above them. And so that, that way, what you can do is you can attach yourself to that, um, to that item. We also have, we also take that one step further in doing uh, multiple related ASINs. So you can put um, different variations of the different products. So maybe you want to do a five pack in black, a five pack in blue and a different brand, let's say. And then you can say, Let's follow the, um, the lowest item, like the lowest priced item, for example. And then, um, or 
I want to follow the item with the best sales rank. So again, it's all about kind of setting up rules and finding which one works best based on kind of where you sit in that ecosystem, in this case of pens. Um, but it's a really cool system in order to kind of better position yourself in the market that is all, that's really, really dynamic at the end of the day. So I think pens are really boring. Maybe we should have gone with the foreplay. Uh, uh, <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. All right. So, um, all right. So I, I think you're making uh, an articulation for why private labor should be running an automated, you know, repricing structure. Um, one of the other things that, that I've found increasingly frustrated. So like I, I use the seller central tool, repricer tool frequently, right? However, it's breaking down a lot of late and there's some min and max pricing issues that show up. And so typically um, for those that are retailers carrying lots of items in their buy box, um, you know, they'll set a rule and be like, hey, undercut by one penny and be in the buy box. All that makes sense. I think most people listening to this understand the purpose of that to win the buy box when there's multiple people. In addition to that, uh, we see that Sometimes it makes sense to run a repricer as it compares to the rest of the internet off of Amazon as well. So that kind of adds a new layer or a new scenario in here. And the reason that would matter is because sometimes item, while they may have an exclusive an item on Amazon, they may not have the exclusive on say Walmart or somewhere else where Amazon is comparing the pricing. And then sometimes they'll take away the buy box if you have a higher price on Amazon. Um, so with those two scenarios in mind, um, we would set up the seller central repricing tool. And, and then what happens, and the, here's where the bug and here's where the question comes in. The min and max pricing is, is set through the tool and it's completely breaking down. So I'm not sure if you've seen that yourself um, or how you handle min and max pricing so that Amazon doesn't randomly take the item offline, but I would love any wisdom you have on this scenario. Yeah, sure. I'd be happy to jump into that. You know, it's an interesting question because um, there are, you know, I talk to all kinds of Amazon sellers all day, every day. And I think that it, it kind of boils down to language. So I just, I just have a quick follow-up question is, are you referring to when the buy box gets suppressed and you kind of get that message that says um, available from all of these sellers or, or view all offers, I should say, or so, are you so talking about um, a different scenario? We, sh we should talk about that too. But before we talk about that, I'll layer this one a little bit deeper. So when, whenever you have um, a price band, right? So um, taking this uh, bottle opener in my hand here. So let's say the price band is 20 to 10. That means if the item, and let's say I'm selling a three pack. Right. So let's say if the item goes down to $9.99, Amazon will strand the listing, take it offline mm. and put in a price alert. And Got what it. we're seeing is, is we're setting up these price bands, 10 to 20, and then Amazon mucks it up somehow and then takes the item below the $10 price point and then strands it. And then when we go to hit relist on the item, um, it doesn't fix it. It's one of the most uh, aggravating bugs that we're facing right now. Yeah, man. I, if I had a magic wand um, on Amazon, this would be the first thing um, I fix because it is a, it's a huge problem for, for all sellers on Amazon. And, and there's not a whole lot of documentation. There's not a whole lot of reasoning behind it. Um, except for, I, you know, my feeling is that it just doesn't, it's supposed to serve a certain task or purpose. And it doesn't always reach that. And the reason the, what it, and so the first question is, why does it exist? And so 
the reason why they, this min and max price exists on Amazon, it has to go, goes way back to, um, you know, I think it's already 10 years now where there's a repricer that um, priced a bunch of items to a penny. And all these sellers were selling all these items at a penny before Amazon caught the issue and could, could actually cancel these orders. And so it, it, all, a lot of these sellers, and this happened in the UK, incurred losses. And so what, seller, or what Amazon did, what Seller Central did, was they created this range that says, if your price, for whatever reason, gets priced outside of this min and max range that you have set, we are going to deactivate the listing in order to make sure that on the low side, you're not incurring losses. And on the high side, that our customers are getting um, the best possible experience by not having um, you know, pricing that is way too high. And so um, it goes back to what kind of what you were saying is that anytime we go beyond those ranges, we are out, um, we ended up get stranded, we get deactivated and we're not in a position to sell because we don't have an active listing. Is that, does that sound like what you're- Yes, exactly at? it. So, so have you guys had experience solving these problems or do you have any advice for somebody going through these problems? Yeah, sure. Um, so we have, a couple, um, we have a couple of solutions for them. And um, the first, and I'll talk about the first one, which has to do with um, the min and max price. And then the second one that has to do with price gouging, which is something that we've seen more and more since the beginning of the pandemic. And so for the first part, what we've done is we've created a solution where sellers um, can manually update that min and max price um, through Seller Central directly to Amazon. And so what that might look like is, you know, you have your min and max price set within seller snap within your repricer. And then you have a, um, a user initiated button that says, all right, set my min and max price in Amazon to 1% below my min and 1% above my max as easy as that. And so as long as you are repricing within that range, assuming that you're not getting flagged for price gouging, which is a different topic, you'll be able to um, continually reprice without, um, running into any hiccups. So, so when, uh, when Amazon breaks this system down, um, we have gone to Amazon and ticketed and said, Hey, we hit the manual button. We fixed the alert and the alert still exists there. Um, it's been a very, very frustrating process. So thanks for shedding a few, um, a little bit of light on like what you guys are seeing and, 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 and whatnot. Um, all right, so let's shift the let's shift the conversation a little bit to um, AI repricing. So, what is algorithmic repricing in general, and like how does that differ from, say, like a, a rule based uh, repricing tool? Um, that's a really great question. So, when it comes down to a, a rule based repricing tool, you know, what the user does is that they'll come into their to their platform and they'll set up a rule that says, for example undercut my lowest competitor by a penny. And why is that decision made? Because we want to be in the buy box. But what happens is when two competitors with that same strategy meet each other. So competitor A undercuts competitor B and they both go head to head until they drive that price down, bottoming out the price. And so- Which, which you know, is what Amazon loves. That's what customers love, man. So why, why aren't we selling love. cheap goods? Like, why wouldn't we want to do that? I mean- there, it's a, it's a catch 22, right? We want to sell at the best. We want to sell at a price where we can um, maintain velocity and keep items moving. But as you know, 
the e-commerce system grows, we see a lot of times because of competition, profit margins start to dwindle. And it happens a lot. It happens a lot because of competition. So even though it might be great for Amazon and the consumer, for you know, for our selling partners, it's not ideal because those profit margins just fall off. And so that's that's about a rule-based repricer. And so now we're talking about seller step and AI repricer. And what do, what do we do and how do we do it? And so basically what we aim to do is we aim to continue to get the buy box because that's the important part about getting sales, but we also aim to avoid price wars. And so the way we do that is by, is by scanning the competitive environment on the listing level and learning um, from what's going on. And so we can really understand the decisions that our competitors are making based on the decisions that we make. And so what that might look like is us understanding that, you know, that competitor is attached to our price, right? Because they're following the lowest competitor minus a penny. And so that means if they're attached to our price at $20 and they're at $19.99, then they'll be attached to our price at, let's say, $30 at $29.99. And so in very simple terms, what we'll do is we'll capture the buy box. We'll raise to that max price of $30, let our competitor come up with us, and then we'll re-engage with them to um, capture the buy box and to capture those sales. Sure. And then when the and then when the repricer gets too low, the AI will say, you know what, this is too much. Let's kind of reset and bring that um, competitor back up with us and start that cycle again. Again, we're still getting the same about the same buy box share as we were in the previous scenario, but we're doing it at a higher price point. So all, all of that makes sense, um, and and that of course, maximizes your profits by also still being agile and nimble. All right. So, so th that's been some helpful information on repricing, good information, especially if those people who are listening have never used it before. All right. So let's pivot away from repricing and just talk general best practices. This is kind of the segment I like to do when we try and help people just grow their sales. So any advice that you could give, and this is very open-ended question, mind you, but if I wanted to grow my sales today, give me something I could do in an hour that you think would be beneficial. Something that we could do in an hour in order to grow sales. And, and, if, and if, that, uh, if an hour is too narrow, go broader and you know, here's some general tips or advice. Basically, we want somebody to leave the podcast today saying, yeah, I can go grow my sales by following Ian's advice today. Um, sure. Well... Coming from, I'm gonna I'm gonna stay kind of in the realm of repricing um, for the for the first part of this, and the first part is to check my mins and um, check those mins and maxes, and just like we're, we were talking about with the with the Amazon price card, make sure that your items are active. I don't know how many sellers that I talk to that say, you know, I've had this many items um, deactivated for weeks on end. And I understand that there's some scenarios that, you know, you try to reactivate and they don't get reactivated. And like, at the end of the day, that really sucks. And like, but the only thing you can do is kind of work with Amazon, open up tickets and, and uh, but that all takes time. But there are gonna be ones that you can find that you can reactivate right away. And cause remember you can't make money when your items are deactivated. And so that's number one. 
Number two, if you're using a repricer, go and make sure that your, um, your, mins, your min and max prices are competitive. You wanna make sure that you don't have a competitor, especially if you're competing for the buy box, sitting right below that min. If you do, you might want to um, find a way to you know, maybe take a little bit less margin in order to, um, in order to sell a little bit more. And, um, and yeah, and then the, the last thing I would say is to make sure that you are getting the most out of your tech stack. Um, I think that where, and I don't think this is only for Amazon sellers, but I think that this goes for, you know, everybody in general, we are so good at finding new services to, to use, whether it's a repricer, you know, I know you, um, I know your team does PPC and I'm sure that you've experienced this, that there are a lot of times where you know that uh, you have, there's really great features or really great solutions that you have that, you know, your partners, your customers are not getting the full advantage of. And I think what I see a lot of is, you know, clients saying, ah, I didn't know you had this feature. I wish I knew about it six months ago. And, you know, we had it six months ago and you could have been making money that entire six months if you had, you know, kind of did an audit of, of your internal processes slash asking questions to your service providers to say, where can I get more um, out of my current workflow, out of my current processes? So, so the tech stack comment's interesting too, because there's, there's a lot of things, um, you know, people just want to run on autopilot. They want their passive income on Amazon, but in all honesty, it does take a lot of work to go back and check things out and see, see where things are going. All right. So Ian, if, if somebody wanted to get in touch with, with you or, um, or seller snap, where should they go? How can they get in touch with you? Quickest way is to go to sellersnap.io. Um, and if you want to get in touch with me directly, you can always reach me at my personal, my email at IAN, Ian at sellersnap.io, or you can look me up on LinkedIn, Ian Kaneshiro. Um, if you want to take a crack at spelling that last name, it might be him. <laughs> is, it, <laughs> is it Japanese? It is Japanese. Yeah. All right. Yeah. So uh, I, I, I think it's easier than, than people might think. K Kane and then Shiro. So yeah. Yeah. All right. Cool. Well, Ian, thanks for coming on the podcast today. I really appreciate your, your insights into the repricing world. Um, for those that haven't yet hit that subscribe button and share this with somebody else who might find value in improving their sales on Amazon. Thanks so much. This was the My Amazon Guy podcast with Stephen Pope. Each episode helps you grow your sales on Amazon through ideas on traffic and conversion rate improvements. Hit that subscribe button right now to tune in each week. And if you need more help, go to myamazonguy.com.